welcome to the No-Till Farmer podcast brought to you today by BioTill Cover Crop Seed. I'm Julia Gerlach, Executive Editor for No-Till Farmer. I encourage you to subscribe to the series, which is available in iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio. Subscribing will allow you to receive an alert about new episodes when they're released. I'd like to take a moment to thank BioTill Cover Crop Seed for sponsoring today's episode. BioTill Cover Crops, a pioneer and leader in cover crop seed, represents a complete lineup of seeds suitable to a wide range of soil types and growing conditions. BioTill Cover Crop vendors are committed to your success and provide local resources, education, guidance, and all the tips and tricks we know to ensure your plantings have the correct foundations for success. The original producers of Bounty Annual Ryegrass, BioTill Cover Crops continues to add new and improved cover crop and forage varieties, including enricher radish, Bayou Kale, Shield Broadleaf Mustard, African Forage Cabbage, and Nihi Persian Clover. With over 30 years of experience in production, processing, packaging, and shipping, you won't be able to find a better fit for your farm anywhere else. Learn more at biotill.com. That's B-I-O-T-I-L-L.com. Growers are facing a wide range of supply chain-related issues this year, from new equipment and replacement parts to fertilizers and herbicides. Glyphosate in particular has proven hard to source, not to mention being quite costly when it's available. But when it comes to herbicides, at least, farmers do have options. And this week's guest joins us to talk about the silver lining around the supply chain squeeze and some strategies farmers can use to deal with their weed issues. For this episode of the No-Till Farmer podcast, brought to you by Biotill Cover Crop Seed, Aaron Locker, Vice President of Sales for Helm Agro, joins us to discuss what farmers can do if they can't get the glyphosate supply they're used to. Welcome to the podcast, Erin. Today, we're going to talk about weed control strategies in the face of some tight herbicide supplies. Why don't you start by talking a little bit about the current supply state in the industry and what are some common supply challenges that growers are facing right now? That's a great question and one that's that's asked quite a bit, you know, these days. You know, I, I think Somebody uh, formulated it the best. I thought, you know, if if you thought last year, you know, was a challenging year in 2021, that's proven to just be a warm up act. You know, <laughs> 2022 has been. Um, you know, we we continue to see challenges uh, both in terms of you know not only you know AI or, or active ingredient or product availability, uh, but then once you get the product produced. Um, you know, the shipping and the freight, you know, have been a challenge uh, and not to mention you get it over here in the States and then, you know, finding a truck can be a challenge, you know, and so just a whole host of, of issues that uh, don't seem like they're, they're letting up anytime soon. Uh, and I think discussions that I've been having, you know, both in the industry and, and, and with, with customers, um, it seems like conventional wisdom is, we don't think this is going to, you know, let up anytime soon, and most likely, you know, could um, progress all the way through the planting season of 2023. Mm-hmm. So, hate to be doom and gloom, but um, you know, it's it's the world that we live in. Uh, but I think you know, the silver lining is in this is it's really taught us as an industry to to plan ahead much more uh, and much farther, you know, into our our processes than maybe we've had it to do in the past. You know, I think from a grower perspective and even some of our retailer customers, you know, we've, we've grown accustomed to having, you know, product available uh, when we needed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think now the, the, the discussions are all around 
planning ahead um, and understanding in this case, you know, what my we challenges are and then, you know, how do I cover those needs uh, with, with a multitude of different chemistries. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah. It has definitely been a challenging year. So as growers are finalizing their crop protection plans for 2022, what are some strategies you see them making to navigate these issues? Well, I think, you know, in addition to, you know, trying to, again, plan early, like I was talking about before, I, I think the other thing that's that's really emerged is going back to basic chemistry. Uh, you know, I, I've got, you know, 30, I'm going on 33 years in the business. And, and with that, it used to be, you just talked about, you know, maybe products and active ingredients. Uh, now the name of the game because of resistance is crop groups or mm-hmm. crop groups, but, uh, you know, product groups, um, you know, things, you know, that trying to get multiple modes of action uh, is really, you know, from a resistance management standpoint, what we all strive to do. And so the good news is we, that there are both new and, you know, maybe some older chemistries that we can really tailor, you know, our weed control programs around uh, as long as we're using multiple modes of action. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, and um, it's sort of interesting that you bring that up. I'm a, I, I know that there have been some uh, interesting, I don't know, product cancellations or registration cancellations, both voluntary and also uh, you know, new restrictions placed on certain products, the Enlist One and Enlist Duo, those come to mind. How do those affect options going forward for growers? Well, let, let's start with the tried and true, uh, glyphosate. Mm-hmm. Glyphosate hasn't been spared in terms of availability issues. And so it was probably all the way back to last fall, people were saying, you know what, the glyphosate that I, uh, that I do have, uh, I'm going to hold that to in crop. So what's that's what that's done is is left uh, a good solid burn down program that we def- desperately need. That's left that uh, a little bit more in play or in peril. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, luckily, you know, there's different you know different chemistries that have merged. I know we have a we launched a new product last year called Reviton. That's a new chemistry to the U.S. market and uh, specifically for that burn down you know, segment. So it allows us to, to stretch the glyphosate. If we are using glyphosate and burn down, maybe we can get by with a little bit more of a reduced rate uh, in combinations with like a, with like a Reviton um, and, uh, and stretch that, you know, the amount that we have even further. Or in some cases, now I'm hearing that, you know, you mentioned in list, uh, just the, the availability of 2,4-D in general uh, is is a challenge you know, right now uh, that growers are facing, especially when they were used to going out with that you know strong rate of glyphosate you know plus a little bit of two four D. So again, you've got you've got active ingredients you know like tiafenacil that that can fill those needs, and uh, so you know really going after it that way. The other thing is I think it's brought us back a little bit to our roots to start with a heavy, a, a good, solid pre-emerge herbicide program, um, you know, or at the very least, you know, putting down a pre-emerge herbicide uh, followed by, you know, uh, maybe it's, it's, a, it's a two-pronged system of, you know, a, a two, two pre, you know, pre-down followed by a pre and a little bit of glyphosate, you know, post. 
you know, and so, and even looking into some different, you know, products and chemistries that fit those needs in the early posts that we can uh, maybe that just don't solely rely on glyphosate, even in the early post segment. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned Reviton and uh, Tiafenacel. Is that the active ingredient in Reviton? Yeah, Tiafenacel is the active ingredient in Reviton. And, and like I said, we launched that product last year. Um, and from a burn down perspective, it's really been, a, you know, a, a godsend for, for a lot of growers because, you know, it, it gives very, very fast acting, quick knockdown, quick, quick burn down, you know, of a variety of broadleaf weeds and grasses at a very low use rate. I mean, we were going out at one ounce of Reviton plus just uh, one pound equivalent of glyphosate and uh, really doing a fantastic job across the board on both broadleaf and grass weed control and burn downs. So talk a little bit more about glyphosate. What are some other things that growers can do if they can't get all the glyphosate that they want in terms of uh, using other types of tank mixing products? Yeah, I think if a grower can't get all the glyphosate that he that he wants, you know, first step in my mind would go through um, looking at my rates, and and maybe I can uh, still stay within label, but uh, maybe you know reduce my rate a little bit to help you know extend you know the amount of gallons that they have, and by the chemistries that we have to tank mix with glyphosate today, um, you know they can do that. You know, like the, you know, the example of Reviton that I just gave. The other thing you're going to have to do is really be very religious about, you know, what you're putting in from an adjuvant standpoint, you know, a good quality, you know, like say an MSO type of adjuvant. Um, you need to look at coverage and be very diligent about at least, you know, 10 gallons of, of water from a carrier standpoint. And it, not to mention the fact of making sure that, if the label says, you know, one to three to four inch weeds, um, that that's where you're hitting them at, uh, as opposed to going out there and, and, you know, when the weeds get any size to them, that's when you have to start increasing your labeled rate to try to get those. So there's still a lot of basic agronomic things that, that we've learned over the years. We, we've just got to get really good at in order to spread the, the amount of, in this case, glyphosate that we have. Yeah, there are all these different concentrations of active ingredients out there. Um, what is the key to understanding those application rates for glyphosate in particular, for instance? Well, I think from an application rate, you know, obviously it all starts with the label and understanding, you know, the wheat size, the wheat spectrum, and then making sure that we're applying it, you know, at the proper, you know, timing. All of these chemistries, you know, have been developed and and with years and years of research under their belt. Uh, so they work, you know, chances are the, the environment's gonna most probably more fail them than the actual chemistry would. And so we just gotta make sure that we, you know, we follow those. The other thing that I would say is, and you know, I, I, I talked specifically or a little bit earlier about, you know, the, the different, you know, product groups, um, you know, and so, we need to make sure from a resistance management standpoint, which that's not going anywhere uh, soon, we need to make sure that we're, again, employing various different product groups within that burn down. Going with a, depending on the weed spectrum, you know, maybe you're going with a little bit of glyphosate, but you throw a group 15, say a metolachlor, you know, type of product in there to get a little bit more residual, you know, so that, 
again, you get into that early, you know, post timing, maybe you don't have to rely as much on a heavy rate of glyphosate at that time because of the pre-herbicide program that you that you already put down. Yeah, the many little hammers approach, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So you mentioned real quick, you said uh, the environment uh, is more likely to fail than the chemistry. What do you mean by that? Well, I think the, uh, and again, it's more around the timing, you know, of it, um, you know, and in some cases, um, you know, we, we've learned, and, and again, you look at uh, dicamba, for instance, you know, from a volatilization standpoint, um, you know, we, we've learned that, again, we need to make sure that we've got the right adjuvants in there, um, and we need to make sure that we're, you know, spraying at the proper time, and that includes, you know, that, um, you know, there's not, you know, uh, we, we watch the wind and, and make sure that we don't, we don't run into off-site movement or drift, you know, issues that we can't get the right amount of rate targeted at the right spot at the right time. And then when you're adding other things to glyphosate, then that is going to affect your droplet size and your nozzle size and that sort of thing. Can you just talk about that a little bit, how, how all of those uh, different things interact? Yeah, m- many of your labels you know, will, will speak to also um, you know, proper nozzles. And, and droplet sizes. I think it, again, from a, from a application standpoint, my mind, not only does it start with the, the right active ingredient based on the wheat species that you're going after, but it, it also coverage is always a key issue. And with that coverage, you, know, you get the right amount of gallons of water or a carrier in there. And then um, depending on if it's an early post treatment or if it's a just traditional burn down treatment, make sure that you're reading the label and understanding what nozzle types are, are required uh, to get that good coverage. You know, especially when you're going, um, you know, as a burn down or a post emerge application, you're, you need to make sure that you're getting that good coverage on the weeds that are present. And, uh, and that requires, you know, you know, good nozzle selection as well. We'll get back to the podcast in a moment, but I want to take time once again to thank our sponsor, Biotill Cover Crop Seed, for supporting today's episode. Biotill Cover Crops, a pioneer and leader in cover crop seed, represents a complete lineup of seeds suitable to a wide range of soil types and growing conditions. Biotill Cover Crop vendors are committed to your success and provide local resources, education, guidance, and all the tips and tricks we know to ensure your plantings have the correct foundations for success. The original producers of Bounty Annual Ryegrass, Biotill Cover Crops continues to add new and improved cover crop and forage varieties, including Enricher Radish, Bayou Kale, Shield Broadleaf Mustard, African Forage Cabbage, and Mihi Persian Clover. With over 30 years of experience in production, processing, packaging, and shipping, you won't be able to find a better fit for your farm anywhere else. Learn more at biotill.com. That's B-I-O-T-I-L-L dot com. And now, back to the podcast. You also mentioned, you've mentioned this twice now, um, having the proper amount of carrier or water uh, in your mix. Can you just talk about why that's so important? Well, I think you think about it, and it's really from a from a science standpoint. Uh, it's still, you know, I, I'm in awe of the of the science that we, as an industry, uh, ag industry in general, have been able to to produce. I mean, think about going out with one ounce per acre. You know, even one pint 
of product and, and expecting it to, to give you so many weeks of control. Um, it's, it's really astounding. And, and so, but, but again, because we're, we have you know, those active ingredients that'll do that, we just need to make sure that we're putting them out with the right nozzles and the right coverage. Um, you know, because coverage, again, whether it's even on a, a burn down segment uh, or in post either way, I mean, coverage is just so essential. Um, the more, think of it as the more surface area of a weed that you cover with that active ingredient, the more efficacious it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. Um, so what if a farmer just can't get any glyphosate at all? What are you recommending in that case? Yeah, we've gotten a lot of questions about that too. Um, and and so if I take a step back, and, and like I said before, I mean, we in some cases we may be forced to look back into the the history books to uh, you know to our toolbox um, and 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 call out some of the older chemistries that still good chemistries but um, you know we've replaced over the years. One of the things a good recommendation that we saw last year, if you didn't have glyphosate, was uh, you know again that uh, reviton. But then we added in say like a clethodum, you know, because we knew the reviton was going to give us that broad spectrum control of broadleaves, but we need a little extra help on grass that glyphosate would normally give us. Well, if you don't have glyphosate, something like a, a grass control product, like a clethodum, you know, base product would be the next, next best thing. You know, then we start getting into conversations about specific weeds, problem weeds and, and geographies, um, things like mare's tail. You know, if you've got, you, you can't no longer go with a heavy, heavy rate of glyphosate to control like a mare's tail or a palmer amaranth, you know, type of, of weed. Uh, so there, you know, don't don't go that heavy rate of glyphosate, roll it back a little bit, but add in, you know, an oxen type, you know, a 2,4-D, a dicamba uh, at burn down timing to help get control of that. So now you're talking about, you know, a three-way mix of, you know, a pound of glyphosate, an ounce of Reviton, and, you know, like a pint of, uh, of dicamba or 2,4-D. I see, okay. So you had mentioned uh, the silver lining in all of this being sort of that we're learning to cope, I guess, is that maybe how you would put it. Are there any other upsides to the situation? Upsides to the situation? Well, you know, I, I think it's, um, let, let's face it, and we, we joke with, with a lot of folks in our industry. I mean, you know, glyphosate has been a, 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 an amazing compound, and it's really helped our industry overall. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also spoiled us a little bit too. Uh, we were easy to, for a lot of years there, uh, it was easy to press, you know, that, that easy button, if you will, um, and, and get the control. And so I think what this is, this is done is you really see the, the good agronomist shine through. And it doesn't really matter whether you're talking at the grower level or retailer level, um, you know, having good agronomists, that understand chemistries and understand, okay, you know, the tools that we have available, all of them, both old and new, uh, as well as managing at the same time uh, resistant weeds, uh, but at the end of the day, coming up with good solid recommendations uh, to get uh, good solid weed control. Uh, I think those those agronomists are really shining through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and um, you know, cause we need that in, in, in this. And, and I think it's, it's really um, 
uh, even some of the, the younger folks that, that haven't been in the industry very long, but that only, you know, knew glyphosate, it's even challenged them to, to you know, kind of go back into the history books a little bit and, and get schooled on what different combinations and, and chemistries that are, are available to the grower. So, um, I wanted to ask a little question about the supply because, of course, uh, you know, we heard about there was a hurricane, there was the force majeure that uh, Bayer dealt with. So that definitely was impacting the glyphosate market. I was looking at the China price index toward the end of March and the price trends of glyphosate and glufosinate were both actually coming down, um, glufosinate more so than glyphosate, um, due to some ramp up in supply, I gather, in China. Um, so I'm curious about how long it takes for those price decreases at that sort of active ingredient level to the point where the farmers would see that coming back down. I think you're right in terms of, cause we see the same things, you know, from our, and hear the same things from our folks in, in China, um, you know, and, and that's to be, um, expected, you know, this time of year, you know, once now we're, we're in season, right. Or, or in the Midwest here we're pretty close to being in season and it's this basic supply and demand right you know you now you've got a little less demand because you've you've pumped out everything that you can in front of the season and you'll get a little bit of that softness what we're seeing though is based on some of the inert ingredients um, that are still going to be tight you know when i said earlier that that we expect this to this tightness to remain all the way through probably as much as Q1, Q2 of next year, um, it's is as largely about the inert ingredients as it is about the active ingredient. Oh, okay. You know, because you're right. Some of these these active ingredients have come down, and yet the inert ingredients that have to go into those formulations are still, in many cases, hard to find. Oh, isn't that interesting? Yeah, it's it's really you, you talk about these black swan events, you know, and it, it's just. You know whether it's like you you mentioned the hurricanes and every all these things converging on each other this year, um, and now you know what what's happening is you got a continuation of of COVID related you know issues. Mm-hmm. Um, you know there was report report just recently that in some of the main production provinces of China, uh, Shanghai being one of them, are are locking down significant portions of of those provinces. Um, because they're seeing continued spikes of, of COVID. Well, when, when your province is locked down, that means nothing's going in and nothing's coming out. So, uh, so we still see a lot of that, you know, continuing. And, and that's why I say it's going to continue probably for the next, you know, foreseeable future. Yeah. Okay. So as growers get through this season and then they prepare for 2023, as you say, these uh, supply chain issues may continue to go on. So what advice besides what we've already talked about, free planning and all of those things, what other advice would you give growers as they prep for the years ahead? You know, have a good solid plan. Understand, you know, we're talking, talked a lot about obviously today about weed control. Um, know what's out in your field and have a good solid plan for it. You know, I, you know, you know if you've got these weed species, really be diligent about recording them down and then talking with your, with your retailer uh, about you know, okay, what are some alternative plants? And then coming up with maybe a, a couple of different ways to, you know, to skin those those cats, so to speak, so that, you know, we have some flexibility built in on the front side. Mm-hmm. And then we're totally reliant on, 
you know, just solely glyphosate like we have been. Um, you know, continue to, to look for new chemistries, you know, that are coming out that can help us. You know, like, you know, we mentioned Reviton, you know, we came out with another one, you know, called Catagon, which is an early post uh, grass and broadleaf uh, product in corn that you don't even need glyphosate. Uh, so continue to, to search and ask retailer uh, and manufacturers about, you know, what new do we have uh, that can, you know, new tools that we can put in the toolbox. And then lastly, once you got that plan, then make sure that your, your supply plan is in place uh, as early as you can. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, you know, and, and definitely what we found were, um, you know, growers that really understood that early, uh, by and large, got their needs covered, um, you know, back as early as last fall, um, you know, versus folks that, that, that waited and now they're, you know, they're scrambling in some cases. Mm -hmm. So definitely get your supply plan uh, done early with your retailer, because then that, what that does is it sets that same supply plan all the way up the supply chain, mm -hmm. you know, back to the manufacturer because right now we're having those same discussions for 2023 uh, with our customers right now. Okay and now here's a question that's a little bit different. Um, a lot of the no-tillers that we work with are they grow cover crops and you know they for various different reasons in some cases it's to help with weed control sometimes it's for grazing sometimes it's for uh, soil health reasons. Um, and a lot of them do use herbicides to burn those down at some point during the year. Are there any concerns about resistance, herbicide resistance in cover crops? You know, I haven't, I haven't heard of any herbicide resistance in cover crops, you know, popping up yet, not to say that it, that it couldn't. Again, I think it gets back to how diligent we are about using multiple modes of action on the front side and learning from our, you know, resistance issues of the past. Um, it's interesting on cover crops because we, we, we had a whole, um, you know, test uh, protocols, you know, out last year because what happens on cover crops? So we got those established. They've got great benefits. Don't get me wrong. But then, but then we as growers want to go out there as early as we can and get those cover crops burn off, you know, so we can get in the field early as we can. Well, um, what that means is, more often than not, it's it's a little colder than normal, and if we do if we are using uh, glyphosate, that takes a little longer than than normal because it is cold. Uh, again, that that was another thing that we found you know with with Reviton that we adding a, an ounce of Reviton in that glyphosate really speeded that activity up and and got the control we needed. But in the cover crop example, got us into the field that much quicker. I see. Well, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. So uh, I guess unless there's anything else that you wanted to talk about, I'm curious what's on the horizon for Helm Agro uh, around potential weed control options. You know, that, that's a great question. Like I said, we, we launched uh, about five new products last year in the weed control uh, arena. And if I look in the pipeline, We've got variations of, you know, some of these new chemistries that I talked about uh, coming out a again as a, um, you know, as really some good solutions to manage resistance, but then also, you know, really come up with better solutions 
uh, to control some of our tougher weeds, you know, like, you know, the water hemp's, the, the palmers, um, Italian ryegrass in the south has been becoming a, a larger and larger problem. And so, you know, these, you're always having these, you know, the, the different weeds come to the, the surface in terms of being issues. And that's really what Helm is, is focused on. I mean, we're a, we're a 120 year old family owned business. Hmm. And so we, we think of ourselves a lot like the family owned business of a lot of growers that, that we work with. Okay. And, and so, you know, we, we know what it, what it's like to, to make sure that we've got, we're, we're looking ahead, you know, for the generations to come and say, what do we need to have and what tools and solutions do we need to have uh, to continue to stay ahead of, of, uh, of the challenges that, that, that uh, we control brings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess one final question. There are, of course, people out there who would say we shouldn't be using any chemicals at all. What do you say about that? Well, I think, you know, we, we go back to, in the U.S., we enjoy the, the safest and most abundant food supply on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when somebody asks me what I do for a living, you know, what, what I say is I, I help feed the world. And, and, and I really mean that because, you know, both, both not only volume wise, but, but at a safety, um, you know, factor that, that is unmatched by anybody else. Um, I think based off of, you know, the science that's involved in, in coming up with that, you know, those safer products um, to grow that safe, you know, food supply. Uh, I, I think that is, is the key. And, um, and something that is very core to to our business in agriculture. So, you know, I, I think it's again, you know, it's definitely preference. And and you know, if somebody you know wants access to organic, you know, food, they have it, which is great. You know, again, in our in our food supply. So you have you have choice. Um, but I think it all again, it goes back down to um, the key is across the board. We have a very very safe. Um, food supply that we enjoy. Thanks to Vice President of Sales for Helm Agro, Aaron Locker, for these tips on changing up your no-till weed management strategies to cope with lower glyphosate supplies. To listen to more podcasts about no-till topics and strategies, please visit notillfarmer.com forward slash podcasts. Once again, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Biotill Cover Crop Seed, for helping to make this no-till podcast series possible. If you have any feedback on today's episode, please feel free to email me at jgerlock at lessetermedia.com or call me at 262-777-2404. If you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts to get an alert as soon as future episodes are released. You can also keep up on the latest no-till farming news by registering online for our No-Till Insider daily and weekly email updates and Dryland No-Tiller e-newsletter. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at No-Till Farmer with Farmer spelled F-A-R-M-R and our No-Till Farmer Facebook page. For our entire staff here at No-Till Farmer, I'm Julia Gerlach. Thanks for tuning in.